Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Javon Bell. Javon, how you doing? Doing great. How about yourself? I am doing great. Thank you so much for doing this. You just confessed to me that you like to stay under the radar, and here we are putting you over the radar. We're putting you out there, so we appreciate you getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, you're welcome, and uh, we have this on the record that this might be the one and only time I might do this, so let's uh, let's make the best of it. You have it here first, everyone. <laughs> this is your one and only chance to hear Javon's story. All right. Well, as you know, thanks for listening to past episodes. We talk about career path. We talk about some of the work you do, and then we do a speed round version of some of those things. But I want to start at the beginning. Usually before we hit record, I get the whole story, but you gave us a nice little cliffhanger right as we were getting set up where you said that your path has been a little bit different and took some twists and turns and it started in normal Illinois, correct? Correct. Yeah. All right. So talk to us about what you were thinking in terms of a career, where you went from there and whether you stayed on that path or made a pivot. Oh, wow. Um, really, uh, in high school, all I cared about was basketball. You okay. Know, had this dream I was going to go to college and play NBA and everything and then somewhere around my senior year I kind of had the realization of like it's not going to happen and do, what do I really want to do mm-hmm. and even then um, when I was playing basketball it was more so of okay we know we're going to make it here but what, what's the next step in college mm-hmm. and as, as far as what kind of education I want to get I didn't want to be one of those one of those guys that, yeah, you play sports, but you have a general ed, or you mm-hmm. didn't have anything sustainable because you're so focused on this dream. Yeah, you can't see beyond the sport you're playing. Yeah, correct. And you know, and I was doing it. And I've been playing travel basketball at that time since I was in like seventh grade, and mm-hmm. so it was, it was all I knew. And then, you know, um, I, I took a class my senior year. It was a web, it's like a website web development class and intro. And I, to be honest, I kind of like blew it off just because it's my senior year, and uh, I'm just yeah. I'm just cruising through at this point, you know, not really caring. But I, but looking back, I think that was the first point of something serious. And uh, when I decided to move to Fort Wayne after I graduated, I still really didn't know what I wanted to do. And went ahead and lived with my grandmother for the first, like, semester. And I wound up taking that, like, that one off. So I didn't go to school right away. Mm-hmm. When I graduated high school, I just needed to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so when, uh, I think around, like, October or so, my uncle takes me. He's like, hey, I want to drive you around to Fort Wayne, get you kind of introduced to it. And we're driving, we're driving. He's like, hey, where do you want to go to college? And I'm looking out the window, just kind of, you know, dreaming or whatnot. And having to be on Coliseum, I look over and I said, I guess I'll go to this one here, which, <laughs> which happened to be IPFW. And I was like, sounds, sounds okay. And I don't know what this Indiana-Purdue com- com- combination is. I don't know. It's weird, you know. So I said, I figure we'll go there, you know, and that's kind of how I got wow. started. And, okay. And then— So you I, could have been driving by any school. <laughs> any, I didn't know I didn't know any history background. I just knew that I needed to go. Yeah. But I've always felt like it, to a certain point, it doesn't matter where you go. Sure. If you have the drive, you have the focus, it's just a name attached to a piece of paper. It's about the person. So I always kind of had that mentality with yeah. school. So it's just, hey, long as I'm able to learn, get the education, I'm great. And so when, so when I thought, you know, apply, got in, figure, hey, what's your major? And kind of had the back of the mind back in that that class that I took. Uh-huh. I was like, you know, I want to do something maybe more, you know, more more graphical artsy or whatnot. Yeah. And. And I'm not really like an artsy guy, I have to admit, but mm-hmm. I knew that that was the one degree 
in one path that I could take that it didn't really matter what your test scores were. Sure. You had to talk, speak, prove your point to get your message across. Because I think that's the basis of any business. Yeah. No matter what you go to, you have to be able to present. You have to be able to talk. You have to be able to, you know, to tell your side and to be able to explain it because there's, you know, in the in the marketing design world, one plus one does not equal two. Mm-hmm. It can equal whatever it is. And that same solution might work with one client, might not work for another. And so I, I like that challenge and it kind of put me um, in, in a different uh, mind frame as I was going for the degree. And so that's kind of how I picked graphic design just because I didn't want to take tests. <laughs> so your your experience, the web class you took in high school, was that straight HTML or were you doing things more complex than that? It was straight HTML. Yeah. And at the time I... I, I understood it, yeah, and I thought it was cool because I felt like the guy in the Matrix was typing all the, you know, typing the keyboard and all the the numbers and letters <laughs> going through. That's how I felt, but I wasn't really doing anything but like making just a little slider, you know, yeah. this image appear. Yeah, and so, but I really loved that, and it was so sad to me that I was at that school for you know four years through, and I never knew like this class existed, or mm-hmm. like there was a whole room of Macs, like there was twenty different Macs. Yeah, I never knew this existed the whole time until wow. then, and so it just opened my eyes at the point of like why isn't why isn't this being pushed? Why isn't this career path being taught from a counselor or high school? Like it was almost kind of forgotten in a way at yeah. the time. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's true with a lot of what you see with digital marketing. There's there's some schools that are they're catching up, but a lot really are still, you know, teaching old marketing and not what consumers are consuming and what marketers are marketing these days. Correct. Yeah. Well, I remember I, I mentioned HTML because I, I was a very early, very bad web designer for a very short period of time. It was never my full-time job, but I was the, I was the, and this is impressive. I was the volunteer webmaster for the Fort Wayne track club. Webmaster. Yes. That's, that's an old term. <laughs> and I had the, still the thickest book I've ever owned was an HTML book. What I liked about it is as an English major, I liked the fact that there was a right answer and, yeah. you know, you put some code in, it either worked or it didn't on a, as opposed to, you know, what I had studied. So it had that going for it, but that was obviously a different time. All right. So you, you go to IPFW, then IPFW. Yeah. And yeah. you get a degree in graphic design? Graphic design, yes. Oh, so not even web development. Okay. No, they didn't even offer that. Oh, they didn't even okay. have it offer. And um, when I actually decided to take my first web um, web development class, I was really at the cups of figuring out what I wanted to do. And to go back a little bit, I'm kind of a competitive person, mm-hmm. kind of quiet competitive. And kind of got underneath my skin when some of the professors were talking about other students. They're so great. They're this, they're that, you know. I'm not going to say any names, but this and that, you know. And I kind of like, yeah. all right, what's so special about this person? Yeah. You know? Like, what's so special about him or her, you know. And actually, you know, and I started doing the math of like, okay, this is what I want to do. There's this many people graduating times that by how many schools in the area times, you know, add on how many schools in the state. There's not enough jobs here. Mm-hmm. There's there's mm-hmm. there's not enough jobs for for everybody who's coming out, and yeah. I needed to figure out what's going to be my angle. And after talking to a few of the a few of the students that were talked about a lot, come to find <laughs> yeah. out that one thing they all had in common is that they were afraid of web. Ah, uh, okay. And so I figured yeah. out at that point, like that's my end. Yeah. And when I started early on doing learning web and just learning just the components how everything was going. I got different reactions from people when I would tell them, what are you going to school for? Oh, graphic design. Oh, it was like that. But when I said, you know, going for website design and development, the whole mood conversation changed. The, you know, it was almost like, 
wow, you're doing actually doing something impressive, not something that I feel like I could do. Yeah. And so I really realized at that point, like, there is a market for this. And I think that, you know, when I decided to pick it up, it was really only for just to separate, separate myself out from any other applicants. Yeah. It was oh, it kind of came out of a hobby. Yeah. But then I slowly realized that I could kind of make a career out of this, and there's just not a lot of people in the space, so I felt like it was wide open. Yeah. And so that's how I got into learning uh, web development, web design, and then I took a couple classes in school, okay. and then it was just like, all right, even though it didn't have, per se, a web design class, we'll still take the graphic design with the web you know, with the web in mind, you know, and I just spend, you know, my, all my free time learning, reading books, okay. testing, and kind of went from there. And then it just one thing after the next started getting good. And so I kind of marketed myself around IPFW as the web guy. Okay. And that has been great even till now. Yeah. Well, and there was a time, and I think these days are, are over, but there was a time when if you were a web developer, you probably weren't much of a designer because you were more in into the technical side of it. And if you were a designer, you probably had, as you mentioned, no affinity for or knowledge of how to design for digital. Again, I think those days are over, but there was a sweet spot there where if you could do both. Um, we, we talked before we hit record about Brandon Pete. Brandon Pete will probably get a couple shout outs on this episode. Shout out to Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> but he was one of the first I met who I was like, oh, he understands both. So that I could see where that would distance you from the competition, so to speak, right out of the gate. So do you go then from PFW, IPFW into a job in web development or is there some ramp up time? So there's a few things that happened before I got a job in there. And yeah. so at that time I was, I think I was, uh, ended my sophomore, junior year, I was going around much as forward as possible, just asking non-for-profits, hey, yep. I will, let's work. You need any web presence, need any help. I'll just make phone calls, emails all day. Like, I'll do it for free. Like, just give me in the door because I need yeah. the contacts. And uh, the first company that I volunteered for was Caring About People mm -hmm. in Fort Wayne. That was the first one. And okay. did some work there. And then there was a couple of churches that I did some stuff for as well. So I'm just doing it just, just to get experience, just mm -hmm. to do things. And then my first internship officially came from IPFW, like their web department. Okay. Um, I took a class with Bart Tyner. And he was teaching me, like, the, the beginning work, workings of responsive design, of getting away from having a mobile website yeah. and a desktop, of having creating both. Yeah. And he was teaching me right at the time of responsive. So utilizing one one set of code for HTML, PHP, or whatnot, and just utilizing CSS to, um, to organize the content for different sizes. And so after I was learning that and, and really understanding what he was teaching me, I kind of asked him, like, if there's any way possible I can intern or do anything for Duke University and put in a good word for me. And that's my first, that was my first interim of an internship officially um, was with uh, IPFW. Okay. All right. So you do, you do a couple internships, you do some projects for free to build up the portfolio. Where do you get your first real chance to, to do it full time? Real chance is uh, Reacher Design. Yep. Eraser was the, was the first place to, to give me a chance. Um, hired me on as an intern, and so I finished out my school year from there. And from kind of from there, it was kind of just the world kind of opened up mm -hmm. to kind of see as, as far as what I still needed to learn, what, you know, different projects, clients. There was just so much that was so new to me, and yeah. I got exposed to that really quickly, but that was my first official job. Okay. It was like in the web, in the web area. Now, was Andy Wellfley there when you were there, or was Andy before you? He was there. He was yeah, there. He was okay. there, content strategist, and... 
I think he was there for a couple years before yeah. he went off to Facebook. Yeah, yeah, and now he's at Adobe, and he's he just bought a house in San Francisco, so he's doing well. I did, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. And funny enough, that uh, my younger, my youngest brother, um, he went to Stanford. He actually was interning at Adobe as well. Really? He is working on the After Effects. Wow. And uh, I know that they wind up actually meeting and talking for a bit uh, when oh, he first cool. went out there. So that was that was actually pretty cool to kind of hear that they've connected. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, working on, I don't think they work on the same team together, but just knowing that they were both out there together was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. So so you're at Reser. How long are you there and why do you decide to, and to do something else? I think I was there for about, about four years, I want to say. Okay. About four years and learning so much between the design aspect from UI UX early on and web development, it got to a certain point where realizing that I was like, like I said, doing a hybrid of designing development, I was doing so much and, you know, speaking and presenting the front, it got to a point where it's just like, I, I can do this. Yeah. You and know, there, I, and I, there's so much demand too. Yeah. And, and also too, it's just like, I invested all this time, sacrificed a lot and, mm-hmm. and I needed to, I needed to see on my own what I what I could do. Yeah, and and that that bug that itch that I had just never went away. Okay, you know? and you know and you know no shout out to Reser they great great group of people there you know learned a lot uh, but it was time to kind of let me let let me see you know what happens even if I fall on my face you know yeah so so what are some of the best things and worst things about doing your own thing? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> Well, the, the the best thing is it's at least to me is it's all on you. And yeah. I, I kind of bring in I love that pressure of it's kind of all on me. I can't blame anybody. Yeah. Or it sounds like you're driven by some of the things that scare the crap out of most people. <laughs> That's good. Good for you. Yeah, it's 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 good to point, you know, where um I I'm I'm well, I'm okay to fail. Yeah. And I'm okay to kind of fall um and, and put it all because I know that I prepared. For the mm-hmm. moment, I took a lot of time, you know, took a lot of time away from, from people. And, you know, it was kind of really just kind of jumping in. And, you know, so that's the one thing that I love. But I also know, like, that is the same. That's the double-edged sword where the same thing is it's all on you. Like, yeah. nothing moves unless you do. Um, and, you know, the and I would say, like, the, the downfall would be is you in your mind, at least when I first started, like, you want to do this one thing or two things. I just want to develop websites. And or design, and that is just one of twenty things that goes into a business. And you're doing accounting, you're doing sales, you're doing follow up, you're doing everything, doing everything, and <laughs> you don't actually. It's get all to do on you, you, yeah. <laughs> you actually don't get to do exactly what you want to do a lot of times. Yeah. And so that to me was the, the downfall. And you know, with me myself working from home, and I worked from home right away. Mm-hmm. You know, this is right before a pandemic hit. Yeah. So by the time you know COVID hit. Oh, I don't want to be home all day. I'm like, oh, we're here. We're seasoned, baby. Like, this is nothing to me, you know. But that is the yeah. downfall of being able to separate work um, from home life from from home life because work can kind of consistently yeah. come no matter what. And the fact that this is a hobby for me, it's hard to say or let me stop for the day or let me um, let me go do something else because this is what I love yeah. to do. Yeah, and if you have a motor. It's really hard to turn it off when everything happens in the same place. I, I experienced that when when the pandemic first hit, I was kind of quietly like, I understand this is really bad for the world. It's really bad for a lot of people, but I feel like I'm built for working in this way. And I said, I'm never going back, never going back to the office. But then about six months later, it was like, I always feel like I should be working and I need a 
environmental shift to turn it off. And that's when I started coming back in. And yeah. it's not every day, but it's nice to be able to say, I'm going to go to work so I can't be distracted by all the other things. And I'm going to leave so I don't get distracted by work. Definitely. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about the state of the web from your, from your perspective. You yeah. know, there's a lot going on right now with um, ADA accessibility, with obviously all the changes that are being visited upon the web by social and that the web is visiting upon social. What are some of the, the key things that you're focused on and, and where do you think things are going from here? So I'm glad you brought up the ADA, ADA compliance because that's something that I uh, take a lot of pride in as far as making sure the work that I do is yep. um, accessible for, for everyone as much as possible. Yeah. I think and if you don't mind, I want to take a step back yeah. because many of our listeners are not web developers. Can you just give us an overview? What does that – there's some people who probably don't think of ADA compliance as applying to websites, but it absolutely does. So can you just give us a little overview and then dive into oh, yeah. how, how you think about it? Uh, so ADA compliance is essentially meaning that, you know, there's things within the code, things of how things are designed for people with different disabilities. That can be from colorblindness. That can just be from uh, cognitive ability to, uh, you know, you know, ability to use anything with their hands, um, visual, visual, visual impairment. Um, there's just a whole lot of things that we kind of take for granted for somebody else who might not be able to um, navigate the website or application the same way that we do. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the the gist of it. And to kind of dive into ADA compliant, you know, it. the reason why I think that web, the site design and development are actually more in tune with each other than think because you have to prepare for ADA compliant from the design side and you have to make sure that's communicated from the development. If one of those sides falls off, then you don't have a compliant website. Mm-hmm. And so that can be from, you know, adding um, skip navigation links. Um, that This can be from having screen readers, um, making sure that, you know, there's people who have, you know, um, visual impairment where they have the website essentially read back to them. Mm-hmm. So any images that you put on there and you forget to put a, a description or alt tag on there, the person that is using your website won't be able to make make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have form validations, you know, you don't have things named properly in the, in the, in the ARIA tags or labels, um, they won't be able to fill out a form. And that can be as simple as applying for a job mm-hmm. where you don't know that if this field is to put your name or your, your address or, you know, or, or anything of that nature. And so that's where helping out, you know, people who aren't able to, uh, uh, utilize your utilize your product the same way as uh, majority of of your users, and, and it's not only the right thing to do, but it can be very costly for some entities if their websites are not ADA compliant. Correct? Very, very costly, um, and it's one of those things too where it's not just hey, let's throw this on top of that, let's throw this on top of your your website or your app, and it makes it all better. Mm-hmm. There, a lot of it actually goes within the code itself, mm-hmm. and so if that's not properly developed right it can get very costly to add on top of there instead of honestly just rebuilding it. Yeah. And you can get sued in some industries if you're not ADA compliant, correct? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I, when I mean sued, I mean, yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and and there's been cases already of that yeah. where, you know, spending millions of dollars, you know, that they have to pay out um, for that. So please, not to scare anybody, <laughs> but you know, please make sure that you are keeping um, – accessibility in mind, you know, if you're starting a new project at the moment or you're getting ready to ramp up a new one for your company, um, making sure that you mention that. Yeah. Well, well, I'm going to, I want to hear more about your thinking on some of the trends in web development design, but one question I have for you, I'm going to give you what I think is a softball, but maybe it's not. Um, but I want to hear your perception on it. I occasionally hear people, they'll say to me, well, you know, I've got, 
a Facebook business page or I'm on LinkedIn, do I really need a website? My answer is always emphatically yes. Um, I would assume your answer is the same, but but speak from your perspective about why you think it's important, why websites are still valid at a time when people are branding themselves and their organizations through social. Um, the biggest thing is you have control. Mm-hmm. You have control of the narrative. Mm-hmm. When you're on Facebook, you're on LinkedIn and um, any of these other types of social media, you're at the cuffs of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know with algorithms and things are, are changing, that have changed the last even couple of years, that yeah. just because you post something out there and you have 10,000 fans or likes or whatnot, maybe only 100 of them see that. Yeah. And there's so much. And that's not the message that you want to see, that you want to send when you want, when you have something important that you want to get out to your audience. Yeah. Well, let's say you have much more control. You have a home base. You have, you can kind of do what you want to do. You're not limited to, um, you're not limited to their playing field. And because right now when you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, you're on the same playing field as everybody else, mm-hmm. no matter how great or successful you are. When you have your own home, essentially, as I, as I like to call it, yeah. you can do exactly what you want to. You can, you know, you can connect with, with the people who want to get connected with you easier. And you just have a home base. And especially when we start talking about SEM, SEL, as far as how they can find you, you know, a lot of times through through Facebook or through LinkedIn, there are things of that nature. Um, not knowing that, you know, if the Facebook decides to crash one day, you know, or Instagram, which happens, it seems like every yeah. two months, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're at the yeah. you're at the ability of them, and you know that can be very costly depending on what industry that you're in. Yeah, for sure. So, what are some of the other things, you know, in addition to ADA compliance, in addition to making a case for web still being very relevant? Of course, it is. What are some of the other things that you believe people should be focused on? I think really just making sure that people really focus on storytelling and user experience. Mm-hmm. That is really the the number one. And if there's any example of that, it will definitely would be Apple is making sure that you're putting your users first always. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as that's from, from design, that's from content, that's from um, your, your media, that's kind of all around as far as telling your own personal story, everybody's business, either, you know, even if you're individual, you have a story to tell and, you want to make sure that the people are finding you and they're taking the effort to, to look for you or, or buy a service from you. Make sure you're giving them the best experience possible because that is a 24-7 online tool at your hands. Yeah. Well, and, and Apple, even from a privacy standpoint, much to the chagrin of many marketers, has made it more difficult for marketers to track those who are on Apple devices. So, yeah. you know, again, showing that customer first and user first sort of mentality. So what are some of the things, Javon, that you're you're most proud of? And you don't have to give away any trade secrets, but I, you came I've, – I've known of you for a long time. And one of the people who recommended you for the podcast was Morgan Ellis at Downtown Wabash. She mentioned what a great job you did with their site. What are, what are some of the other things you've worked on that people might recognize or that are just some of your personal favorites? Oh, wow. Um, so I'll, I'll just say some of the – I guess the more recent ones that have launched. Um, Shigs and Pitt. Mm-hmm. That that is one website. Love working, love working with the team there. Um, and Josh Volts, shout out to you, Josh. Thank you for bringing me on. Um, that was one that I'm really proud of, just because just it's food, ribs, you know. And yeah. funny enough, I'm a vegetarian too. So, ah, okay. so yeah. So funny enough, working on <laughs> Did it. Did you disclose that at the end of the project uh, or at yeah. the beginning? <laughs> Actually, if he's listening, it'd be the first time he'll hear <laughs> But you know, hey, I. I loved it, you know, because it's like, you know, wow, that looks amazing. But it's like, oh, man, that sucks. Why did I make this decision? Um, but no, well, They probably have some salads, maybe. I don't know. That's, that's some, you know, that's some stuff there, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, no, I love just the creativity and flow of, like, restaurant websites because it is visual. It is, you know, it is really, like, 
you're going here for one reason or another. There's not a whole lot yeah. of flack. And so I love that. Um, Lassus was another one working with the corporate team on getting their web website up. I, I love working on that project just because it made me understand gas stations and just the marketing of mm-hmm. what they go through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. We all look at gas stations just as, let me just get my gas, fill up, and go. Um, unless you have a Tesla or something electric, then that doesn't apply. Yeah, the vegetarianism but, of cars. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good one. I'm gonna take that one. I'm gonna take that. And so, just learning so much about um, industries that I essentially had no clue on yeah. from the outside. Yeah. And so, those are the two ones that you know that really stand stand out to me. Um, and then, like I said, downtown Wabash, uh, like like you mentioned, Morgan working with those ladies down there, they do an excellent job and. Just like I said, really the biggest thing for me is not even really the website, just learning the business and learning what, you know, everybody does yeah. on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, even following social media, you don't you don't really truly understand until you have a, a heart-to-heart conversation and hearing out the business goals to see exactly what, you know, what you need what you need to do to help them keep moving forward. And so those are ones and then currently right now working on United Way of Allen County. Okay. Um yeah. that's upcoming and so won't say much about that yeah. <laughs> um, as it's yeah. still in progress, but that will be another special one with the same reason, making sure that, you know, the community has a place where they can go and get the resources and get anything answered from, you know, from the agency side or just from an individual. Yeah. So you being independent, are you generally for the photography and the copy, are, are you working with a team? Is it an agency? Do you have sort of your um, group of people you work with? How does that all come together? Is it all of that and more? Oh, yeah. Um, I have a, I have a group of teams that I work with with all aspects and depending on the project itself. So if we need more content, then I'll call my guy Derek. He's mm-hmm. an excellent copywriter, excellent just storytelling and making, you know, he's one of those guys that can take you know, a paragraph and just make it sound so simple in a sentence. Um, photography, I have a few photographers on hand as well. Um, and then then kind of, you know, scattered around for development, front and back end. So I have a, probably a group of like five or six people that uh, have different, more expertise in those areas than I do that I'll, that I'll contract out to work. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff you can do yourself, but there's some that you just, you know, in order to you can't clone yourself and, and do everything correct and still sleep. So yeah, correct. It's all and to me. It's all about quality and making sure that anybody who I bring on cares as much cares just as much as I do. And you know, making sure you know the client is getting a great product. And I have no problem. I have no problem hiring anybody for for a project because to me, I care more about the relationship than what the product is going to be. Yeah, especially with web, things can change on the fly. You know, once you go to print. It's kind of in there, you know, you print, you distribute, you know, but the web can change so much and it's so evolved into where the business is at that definitely need people that kind of have the same mind frame to making sure that their service that they're providing is evolving as well. Mm-hmm. So what are your aspirations for, you know, the foreseeable future? Do you just want to kind of keep doing what you're doing or do you have aspirations to grow it or do something different? You know, that's a good question. That's something that I probably think about every day and – then to be honest with you, I still didn't think as of today, we're 2020, what were, was May, May 24th, 2022. To be honest with you, I still didn't, I don't, I didn't think that websites would still be as needed. Mm-hmm. I thought things would have evolved, things would have changed. Mm-hmm. But as it seems that, you know, hey, every, the future is going to be apps and then realize of how much red tape it is to make an app and mm-hmm. then maintain it. And then especially when you have Apple and Google Play kind of controlling, yeah. like, Essentially monopolizing, they kind of playing by their rules. It makes it difficult. 
um, it makes it difficult to translate, you know, like at least with web, there's a, usually some type of content management system that you can pass out to a client and they can update, they can make their own stuff, you know, and yeah. apps are different. And so that, that kind of surprised me. And then with the pandemic hit too, it seems like there was a much more increase of, let me care about my web presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, for the people who were on top of it early on were successful, the people who had to play catch up, you know, are probably still playing catch up. Yeah. And we can, and, I'm not going to say any names, but we notice that there's there's no more hiding anymore because that's how people get access to you. Well, there was so much of a push. You know, anything that was on the bubble in 2020, you know, what, what I've heard people say is there was 10 years of digital innovation in about 18 months and 10 years of consumers moving in that direction in about yeah. 18 months because we were forced to. Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting what you say about apps. This just could be because I'm lazy, but I find there's a weird friction with apps. Um, and there's a certain app, I won't mention it by name, but it's a weather app that it's gotten so clunky that I just want to go to Google and type in weather, get the weather instead of going to the app, clicking on the app, getting through all the the ads. It's just like, I don't, I don't have that kind of time. I do have that kind of time, but I don't think I have that kind of time. So I think that's really prescient to say that, you know, we thought apps were the future, but maybe the web is what we needed all along. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's not to a test of, you know, of it, you know, there might not be another surge or anything like that. You know, I just think that there's so much cost, there's so much a level learning curve mm-hmm. and it's kind of isolated to the point where if you don't, if you don't understand it, then you can't manage it. And you kind of also need somebody to be there kind of all the time of how they run. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a lot right now. And so I, I've, you know, I feel that in the future there might be another push to resurgence, which I would love to see um, because I think they're, they are great aspects of taking your, your big picture and putting it and mm-hmm. condensing it down to what exactly what the users need. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a tool, as something you can use specifically. Yeah. All right, well, let's pivot to the speed round of the show. I'm going to ask you a few questions. You don't have to answer the questions quickly, but you can if you want. I decline all of them. <laughs> that's, that's the first time someone's done that, and I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier. But I'm actually going to ask you four speed round questions. Um, two of them will be, I don't, think, I don't think they're outside your comfort zone, but maybe we'll see. The first is an easy one. Let's talk about career path. And, you know, you're an entrepreneur. You've done some things on your own. You've worked for other businesses. What's your one piece of advice if people want to know how do you how do you build a fulfilling career how do you succeed in your career what have you learned that you think other people should know you have to attach yourself to your own personal mission and where you want to go rather than the project or the job that you're at hmm. um, if you attach yourself to a certain project and job that you're at um, which I used to do um, it can it can be draining um, you can you know especially as an in the creative industry when somebody doesn't like what you're doing or whatnot you can take it personal um, but just really figuring out your own personal journey and making sure that your own personal growth is important. And so like enjoying that, enjoying the journey from the beginning to end, no matter how, what goes on there, because you're going to learn so much from an individual as a team that you're working on and, you know, whatever goals and aspirations you have going forward, that that's what's going to get you. You want to always want to, you always want to look back a year from now and say, wow, I grew in this area or I got more efficient here. And it won't be about a certain project or, or certain task that you're assigned to, but it's just a, uh, making sure that you are attaching yourself to whatever that mission is. And and it's different for everybody, but that's one of my biggest uh, advices, you know, as far as building your career. All right, great. So here comes one of the curveball questions. So 
Today, there are a lot of products out there that people can DIY a website. Everything from Wix to Squarespace to Google, what's it called? Google's tool that I've actually yeah. used and probably built terrible websites with. Um, but but with all those tools available, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that there's all this choice out there where you can do it yourself or you can hire someone? I suspect I know what you might say, but I want to hear it from you. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, and, and why do you feel that way? Um, I honestly think – it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I, I personally think it's, it's a good thing. You should have um, uh, you should have the choice, mm-hmm. you know, as far as how you're going to go about your path. And I think a lot of times um, it's almost like the self checkout at uh, the grocery store. There's still just as many people lining up, you know, for a person to check out than than not. And so sometimes if you have a few items that you want to check out to the checkout lane really quickly, that's all you need. You're going. I feel like that's with some of those DIY sites where you just need something up. Um, you kind of have a, a vision as far as what you want to do for certain functionalities, and if it's out the box for you, then go for it. You know, then there's then there's the people you know with two carts full of groceries. You know, that needs somebody to you know to to to, to bag it and sort it in a different way. And I think that's where you know uh, that's where somebody more of a, a custom solution, you know, or you know, that would come in play. Uh, and so to me, it's just like whatever your problem is, there's somebody there that can help you out and everybody's problem's different. And and so I just, I think it's, it's healthy and it brings up good competition and it, it forces people like me to really hone in on uh, your services, your, your added value, mm-hmm. um, and to making sure that, you know, they're getting the best product because if not, that same person can honestly get yeah. a different, you know, that same type of work if you're not being creative enough somewhere else. Yeah, you have to prove your worth for sure. Yeah. Okay. So what's your one best piece of advice if people are launching a website? Mm-hmm. What what should what's the the most important thing they should be thinking about? Now again, not to give any way any trade secrets, but what's and it could be something people miss that they should be thinking about or something that they think about but you want to reinforce its importance. Oh, that is a difficult, that is a difficult And I one. didn't prepare Ooh, you for that question at all. No, I that's pulled that good. out of nowhere. <laughs> that's good. Only because it depends on the type of person or yeah. user or business it comes from. Um, that really depends. But I would definitely make sure that, you know, at the least, especially because if there's any type of, any type of marketing um, and not realize how much marketing in your website comes into play, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that you have some type of analytics or some type of data so you know what people are, are, are what pages are being visited, what people are seeing, how long they're staying, to have a baseline to know if if you're successful or you need to pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the one thing is having data at your hands. And that's one thing a website does. And so making sure that you're able to see that from a development side um, and then also just from a user side because that data alone will be able to help you pivot your online business and you can uh, easily adapt to your customers um, or anybody who wants to learn more information about you. Yeah. So so make sure that you're measuring success and that you're listening to the experts, that being the people who use the site. Awesome. All right. Here's the last one. What is your favorite tip, trick, hack, tool that you use in your work, something that makes your work easier that you think is deserving of recognition. Again, it could be something we've had people say pen and paper. We've had people talk about apps. We've had people talk about Evernote. What is it for you that you really rely on that you think is great and maybe more people should know about? I'm kind of laughing right now, but um, (laughs) Google. (laughs) You okay. don't. You do not know everything. No, wait a minute. You Where won't do I know find anything. this? <laughs> Google will help. There are so many people, so many resources for whatever you want to learn. Yeah, that's out there. 
Don't think that if you come across a problem that you're the only person who's came across that mm-hmm. problem. Somebody else has had that same problem as you, and they can help figure it out and help you figure it out or give you rich you on the right path. Google, 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 <laughs> preferably pages one and two. Um, but that is my secret tool. I do not know everything, but I know how to make. I know how to get it in there. <laughs> that that is the first time someone's mentioned Google, but it's one of my favorites because it is so true. You know, one time, and this doesn't go back all that far. You know how if you're if you're on a well, you're a Mac, I'm a PC, but on a PC, you can accidentally click on the image, the screensaver image, screensaver. There I go with yeah. another term. And it'll take you to Bing. I once used Bing to find Google, no lie. I was on Bing and I typed in Google. And I was like, someone at Microsoft is very upset right now. You no, know, if I were to take a guess, I bet uh, Google being searched on Bing is probably the number one search <laughs> term on there. All right. So there you have it, folks. That's just the kind of gold you've come to expect from the Azure Marketing Podcast. If you want to learn stuff, go to Google. Javon, this has been great. I really appreciate you doing it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode of the Azure Marketing Podcast. We'll be back next week with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then.